Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? You know, Chip, I'm I'm doing well. I think that there is a lot to be thankful for this week. And if you're a Texas fan, there was some good news, I think, that came out of Steve Sarkeesian's Monday press conference and talking to the players. Um, so I know that there's a lot of doom and gloom around Texas football right now, but I think we should be a little bit positive because it is Thanksgiving week. There's one more game. Sure, Texas may not win it. We don't know. But there is, you know, some a lot of things to be thankful for, I think, for the future. Uh, So I'm going to I'm going to be a positive this uh, podcast and not be Debbie Downer. So I'm great. How are you? (laughs) Hey, great. I'm great. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. And as you pointed out, we uh, are coming off, obviously, the, the Longhorns loss at West Virginia. And yet another, you can't make this stuff up um, situation where now both of Texas's quarterbacks are day to day. I'm hearing that Hudson card and that ankle injury are not good, that mm-hmm. um, it'll be Casey Thompson starting against K-State, even though he's got the thumb injury and everything else. But um, I'm hearing Hudson card may not be available for this game, which would mean Casey Thompson and then Ben Ballard uh, as your, your one snap away uh, quarterback. And we've talked about Ben Ballard as the, you know, that's a subtle little storyline that's been simmering back there for about a month when he passed Charles Wright on the depth chart, the Ben Ballard, the the walk on from, from Hyde Park High School in Austin. But um, uh, that's the quarterback situation right now, Taylor. It sounds like Casey Thompson. And if something happens to Casey Thompson, Ben Ballard. And it's interesting because K-State is in a similar situation, although not entirely. I mean, Skylar Thompson, the starter, was hurt in the game against Baylor. He went out. And now Chris Kleiman is in the situation of having to start either Will Howard or uh, Jaron Davis. And both of those guys have played four games, and the hope was to redshirt both of them. Yeah. So now... Talk about unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. So now it looks like Chris Kleiman will probably have to start Will Howard burn his red shirt for this year uh, against the Longhorns. Will Howard's got some experience. He played a lot last year when Skylar Thompson was hurt. So um, the the Longhorns and Wildcats, of course, will kick it off at 11 a.m. on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, on Fox. And K-State um, has won – well, they won four in a row until that loss to Baylor. So they've won four of five. Uh, and Deuce Vaughn, who – uh, is a familiar name around these parts. Uh, local product running back at K State, the five foot five you know, pocket rocket who just does it all, uh, averaging 5.9 yards per carry for K State, over 100 yards rushing per game, 14 rushing touchdowns this season uh, coming in. So uh, Texas will have its hands full trying to end its uh, six game losing streak. 
Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this after the game, um, the West Virginia game. It, it this, this, I feel like is setting itself up to be similar to the end of the 2015 season, you know, when Texas was already not going to make it to a bowl game. Then they face a Baylor team that was kind of hot at the time. They beat them to get their fifth win on the year. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if that ends up happening with Texas and K-State, which I don't know if that's more infuriating for Texas fans or not, Chip. But um, obviously the quarterback situation is going to be one to watch. What I hate about this, you know, I mean, if you go back and I, I saw the I mean, obviously I saw it in the game, but then watching the post like highlights of Hudson Card's injury, I mean, that kind of came on a dirty play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think like, I, I, and listen, I, I am not the type that likes when people question officials or officiating. I think it's kind of Bush League to do that. But the fact that, you know, Hudson Card got rid of the ball and somehow still had the defender on him for probably like five seconds and took him down, you know, five to 10 yards after he had already released the ball right in front of the referee. I mean, that's kind of bogus. I mean, I think the big 12 needs to answer for that. Um, but I mean, I guess the good thing for Texas is, I guess it doesn't matter necessarily if they do have to go to a Ben Ballard situation. I'm at quarterback if Casey Thompson is not able to go with his thumb injury too. Um, since, you know, the season is pretty much over right now, but you know, you hate to see those type of injuries, especially on what seems to be what should have been flagged, in my opinion, um, and Hudson Card getting, you know, hit late and brought to the ground there that ended that injury. But at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't really matter for Texas. But, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, I think, all probably more so for Kansas State at this point, that they're in this situation going into the final game of the season, having to burn one of the red shirts of the quarterbacks they were hoping to, um, both of the quarterbacks they were trying to redshirt, you know, um, and with Skylar Thompson, you know, I think he's been having a really good year for Kansas State. And the fact that he may not be able to go um, is definitely unfortunate. But yeah, Deuce Vaughn, I mean, that that kid's electric, former, uh, you know, Texas DB coach. Chris Vaughn is his son. Uh, people remember that name from Charlie Strong's staff. But yeah, I mean, he he's somebody that can really wreak havoc, I think, on a defense. So Texas defense is going to need to, you know, put together a pretty solid performance uh, against K-State this week. Yeah, the thing about Deuce Vaughn is he's 5'5". Five, five. You can't see him right um, behind those offensive linemen. And I asked Brendan Schooler about it today, and he said, our linebackers are going to have to literally yell where where he is all the time mm -hmm. to us so that we have an idea if he's going left or if he's going right, uh, because that is part of the difficulty of defending Deuce Vaughn. I mean, mm -hmm. normally you'd think a five-five running back has no place in major college football, but um, this kid's got a heart uh, the size of a lion, and he's got unbelievable, you know, balance, vision, uh, quickness, short area quickness, and is one of their heart and soul leaders. So uh, he's amazing to watch. Uh, that mm -hmm. part of it will be will be fun um, for just college football fans, but he's he's a handful because he can catch the football as well. They use them uh, all over the place in their uh, in their offense. And and so he'll be he'll be a real test. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian called him, you know, Darren Sproles 2.0. Darren Sproles, Texas fans remember all too well. And of course, went on to a long career in the NFL as a return guy, as a uh, third down back, change of pace guy. So um, K-State, they don't beat themselves. Shocker. You know, we're yeah. still talking about that storyline. 
Um, and Bill Snyder's been retired for how many years now? Right. I mean, it's like Bill it's crazy. Snyder's long gone, mm-hmm. but they, they, you know, they're one of the least penalized and one of the, um, you know, the teams that, uh, they don't, they're not negative in turnover margin. They just, um, they, they just grind you down. I mean, go back to, uh, K state's game against Texas tech, and then we'll get back to the big B. John Robinson news, but, um, you know, Texas tech is beating K state 24 to 10 in Lubbock at halftime and K state comes out and outscores tech 15 to nothing in the second half wins that game 25 24 after the game chris Kleiman says we didn't really change anything we just executed better and two days later texas tech fired matt wells Mm -hmm. so um you know k-state's that kind of team and we know that texas has struggled against teams that that don't beat themselves i mean look at the defense has not been able to force turnovers here lately taylor and uh, the defense was forcing turnovers earlier in the year, and and now they've gone two of their last three games without forcing a turnover. And it's um, they need those extra opportunities, obviously, uh, for an offense that has struggled mightily against Iowa State, uh, again against West Virginia, um, for various reasons. I mean, we talked about it after the game. The dropped yeah. passes came back. You know, we hadn't seen that since TCU and Baylor. Uh, but they, the drop passes came back against West Virginia. And and then, um, you know, when the offense finally did get going in the second half with Hudson Card getting into a bit of a rhythm, the defense gets, starts giving up third and long, third and 18, third and 15. But, um, you know, it's interesting, Taylor, these press conferences now with Steve Sarkeesian, the last two weeks have really started to look more toward 2022. Right. I mean, there's barely been any questions about, k-state or the game coming up it's been more about you know what do you do looking forward and and steve sarkeesian um well first we'll say that Bijan robinson said today that he plans to to be back and playing football he's not going to sit out he's not going to pull a jamar chase at lsu uh and sit out and protect his draft status for the 2023 nfl draft he said you know, I'm a loyal guy, and when I make a commitment, I see it through. Um, plus, you know, I couldn't bear to be on the sidelines watching uh, my teammates and not be out there trying to help them. So, Bijan Robinson, what you'd expect from him, he's right. just an awesome guy and has a huge sense of faith and loyalty. And and so, you know, he also said that I'm you know, he was asked, how do you feel about 2022? He said, I hope to feel great about it based on, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian saying he's going to bring in a lot of new guys and change things up from, from where they are now. So, um, there's some positive Thanksgiving week news, right? Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And, you know, I mean, I know that it's been easy for a lot of Texas fans in recent weeks for the last more than a month now, honestly, to start questioning everything about the program. And honestly, when I saw people questioning if Bijan Robinson, especially after that injury, if he played his last snap at Texas, I, I honestly laughed a lot of times. Cause I'm like, anybody who's questioning this does not know who Bijan Robinson is. Like when Steve Sarkeesian talks about him, being an even better person than he is a football player, which is saying obviously a lot because he's an elite football player. 
that's true. I mean, you know that he his he's a salt of the earth type of person. I would have been absolutely stunned if he wasn't, you know, considering um, coming back or playing in 2022 in general, because just that's just not how he is. I mean, Chip, I think back to when we saw him riding on the the scooter, you know, at one of the press conferences um, about a month ago, he had an electric scooter and I was in a scooter accident. So I'm obviously very um, cautious with anything like that. And I told Bijan, I was like, Bijan, I really want to kick this thing over for you because of like what had happened to me. And he sat there and he asked about what happened to me. And it's like, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have just been like, oh, this 30-year-old woman's telling me what I should do, like a mom or something like that, you know? But he genuinely was talk asking if, if everything was okay with me from the accident and stuff. And it's like, that right there just shows the type of character that he is, the type of person that he is. And for Texas to have him on their roster, I mean, I would be shocked if he's here after 2022, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, I think he can, you know, go make a lot of money in the NFL um, after this next season. But, you know, he's just such a special person too. And Texas having that, you know, is it's it's huge in a lot of different ways because um, he can be, you know, really a type of guy that's not just good, like a leader on the field. He's a very good leader off the field. But one thing, you know, Chip, with you mentioning him saying, you know, he's hoping to be excited for 2022 based off of some changes that Steve Sarkeesian, you know, and staff plan to make in the offseason. That's very telling. I mean, this is the best player on this team, if not one of the best players, probably in the Big 12 or in college football. And he's willing to sit there and say that. I mean, that's very telling for what the situation that Texas has on his hands right now, what Steve Sarkeesian has on his hands. And, you know, there's no denying that he needs help next year, too. I mean, he needs an offensive line that's going to make him look better and not him make the offensive line look better than they are, you know, and he deserves that. He's the type of player that deserves that. And, you know, obviously positive news that he's coming back. But I thought that was very telling to hear him, you know, essentially be very honest and open and saying he's hopeful that there's going to be some, you know, changes or what you may have, you know, coming up. And um, if that's not, you know, indicative of what the Texas football program is right now, I don't really know what is. Yeah, I mean, it's um, you've got Bijan Robinson, one of the best you know football players in college football. As you mentioned, when he got hurt, he was um, at or near the top of forced missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. And every NFL scout has him on their radar because of his versatility, his vision, his everything, balance, yeah. power. Um, and and then you've got Xavier Worthy, who's um, you know, one of the top uh, receivers in all of college football in terms of touchdown receptions as a true freshman. And, and then today uh, Steve Sarkeesian was asked about the quarterback position going forward. And, and he basically said that, yeah, we need to open it up and, uh, and that he'll um, probably be in the, in the transfer portal uh, looking to bring in a quarterback and, and so that is also interesting because um, I don't know what we know about uh, the quarterbacks who are on campus. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't we don't know. I mean, Hudson Card, God bless him, as you mentioned, he gets his ankle ripped up on a dirty play. It was a dirty play. Yeah, uh, it should have been flagged, and the Big Twelve should have come out and said something about it. Um, and and now it looks like he's not going to be able to play against K State. You've got. Casey Thompson, the thumb injury that has come and gone and 
uh, affects them some weeks, some not. I don't know. Um, and then, and then now you've got um, the, you know, door number three, I guess, of mm-hmm. who's out there. Um, is it, you know, Quinn Ewers? Is it someone else? Uh, what's the plan? How does this all work? And, um, you know, there's no question that Steve Sarkeesian needs to bring in as much competition at every position as possible uh, and then manage it from there. And uh, and so that that was a big, um, you know, revelation today, because obviously you have to have the quarterback position right, especially Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, he's hired because he's this great offensive mind. We saw everything that he did at Alabama. Uh, and now he's got to have the right players to be able to execute that. The only thing that scares me about, you know, people comparing what he did at Alabama to what he did at Texas is Nick Saban has been recruiting the best offensive linemen for, for years. Right. I mean, years, he stockpiles them. They wait their turn. And they know they're going to get drafted. (laughs) Once they they know they're going to get drafted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They play one season, they're going to get drafted. Mm -hmm. So they wait their turn they play their one season or two sometimes, and then they get drafted and they go start in the NFL. Texas is so far from that and has been so far from that. And, you know, the fact that Steve Sarkeesian talked about, they only took two offensive linemen in the 2021 class, the previous regime. Um, he, he said that was such a surprise because they don't have the stockpile of offensive linemen to execute the, pro style NFL offense without running the quarterback. We talked about that. Some Steve Sarkeesian Mm -hmm. does not want to run the quarterback. He tells his quarterbacks not to run. I mean, every once in a while they'll run a, you know, quarterback sneak or draw or whatever, but it's not a regular thing in the game plan. How long does that take? How, how much gold do you have to mine in the portal uh, right now with the, the, you know, we talked about this last week, the 33 new players that Steve Sarkeesian says can be brought in uh, this off season. What, how many do you have to hit on to be able to execute the kind of offense that, that Steve Sarkeesian wants to execute and be able to run the ball? Because we saw as more film got out there, it got tougher for Bijan Robinson to run the ball. Uh, obviously the offense bogged down. I mean, they were one of the top offenses in all of college football through the first half of the season, the second half of the season, it's fallen off dramatically. So, um, you know, these are questions, Steve Sarkeesian gets paid the big bucks to know, but, um, it's gonna be fascinating because how many, you know, how many high school recruits do you bring in versus how many portal guys and, and who do you believe in who's on the current roster coming back next year? Yeah. I mean, it's, as you mentioned, this is why he gets paid a lot of money, but this is also chip why he, anybody who thinks that Texas needs to put him on the hot seat or anything like that is, is ludicrous because I mean, you can say it's excuses. You can say whatever it is. The fact of the matter is the best Texas recruiting classes in the last five or under, we'll just say under Tom Herman, the best ones there was definitely a lot of good skill players, but they did not sign any of their top tier offensive linemen. And they missed out on a lot of defensive linemen too. And you win games in the trenches. And the fact that Texas has struggled so mightily at the offensive line recruiting for, jeez, uh, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, too, um, 
down on this, but probably close to a decade. I mean, seriously, when Texas, the only two offensive linemen that Texas has had drafted since 2008 were both like three-star diamonds in the rough that nobody wanted, that's a huge problem. And so this is, I think, goes to show even more, Chip. I know Texas fans, a lot of Texas fans probably don't want to hear this, but they have to be very um, – patient with what Steve Sarkeesian has right now at his disposal. And it starts on the offensive line. It starts on probably both lines of scrimmage, I think. And, you know, they have to definitely, you know, nail it. I think next year for sure in the portal or excuse me, in the 2022 class um, in the transfer portal. Plus, you know, uh, there's still some of their top high school offensive line recruits coming in, but you can't necessarily, you, or I should say, you don't necessarily want to expect to start true freshman offensive linemen. I mean, that's a position that and quarterback are the two positions you don't want to have to start true freshmen unless you absolutely have to, or unless you have an absolute monster at the position. And especially with offensive linemen, more times than not, they need you know time in a college weight program. They need to get used to the college game. They're facing way better competition from the you know the opposing defenses and they face at high school even if they go to one of the top high schools in the country they still will or you know are playing 6a say in texas they're still needing that transition year that to me if if people really want to give i mean obviously crystal conte gave steve sarkeesian a six-year contract right and most coaches get five years so they need to, I think, let him really try to work it out here because if they can't get the offensive lineman in, um, even if you have a great quarterback, I mean, unless you have a Colt McCoy out there that can really mask how poor an offensive line is, um, then you're you could have the best quarterback out there and still struggle with uh, you know, being able to be efficient on offense. And that just goes to show to me that Steve Sarkeesian absolutely needs to give more time to build this roster up so that maybe he can get players. I mean, expecting him to get the team like he had Alabama is not realistic. I don't think um, at this point, however, he needs at least enough time to try to get some guys in there that are going to not only believe in what he is doing as an offensive mind, but believe that he's going to be around to coach him and that these coaches are going to be around to coach them, you know, especially if they're upperclassmen, because, of the the history, you know, their track record, everything that they've had, um, you know, on their resume. And so that just, to me, Chip, further validates the fact that Texas absolutely needs to be patient with the head coach right now. And if, you know, the reason, as we, you said, the reason he was pretty much hired, you go back to the, the offenses he had, Alabama. He was high, hired as a quarterback guru and often one of the best offensive minds in, in college football. And I still believe that is the case. But you've got to give him time to build up this offense so that he's able to efficiently, you know, call an offense that's going to be elite week in and week out and not have to be a constant question of if it's going to step up or if players are going to do their jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's not what Texas fans want to hear, but that's that's the bottom line. I mean, they have to kill it in recruiting, and that's that's going to be the biggest barometer to watch now. I mean, whether it's you know, and that's why you get over to Horns twenty four seven and and follow everything that um, that Mike Roach and Nick Harris are writing because that's where this is going to be made or broken. I mean. Mac Brown needed eight years to win a conference championship, and he won a national championship in that eighth year as well. Um, and it took solid recruiting um, year in and year out 
from Mac Brown, who, you know, brought in guys like Leonard Davis and Mike Williams. And, and then ultimately that 2002 class with Vince Young and Lyle Senline, Casey Studdard, uh, and, you know, really talented defensive linemen, obviously Roy Miller, um, Frank Ocam, um, you know, Lamar Houston, Henry Melton all ended up, you know, being monsters for the, the team that in 2008, um, you know, the, that golden decade that you were just talking about with, uh, Colt McCoy after Vince Young. So Steve Sarkeesian has to kill it in recruiting. And it was a huge red flag that, um, Texas was missing on the offensive line in a year where there were great offensive linemen from the state of Texas. So, uh, this is, this is where it's all going to be, you know, executed. The success of the plan, uh, going forward is going to be made or broken by Steve Sarkeesian's ability to reel in, um, the best or just the best fits for them. I don't even care if the kid's a three-star, four-star, five-star. Right. He and Kyle Flood know what um, a, a great prospect looks like and and can identify that and develop that. They've done that before. And so let's, uh, let's pay attention to that very closely. One other thing, Taylor, that, that came up today, um, and we didn't really touch on it because it was really weird late in the week. Um, but Brian Jones, the former Texas linebacker, now national uh, college football analyst for CBS, uh, said on the Horn radio station in Austin that he was hearing that Sark was getting pressure from donors to play certain players, um, that it even you know, involved race. And, and so Steve Sarkeesian was asked about that today. And Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, I really wish Brian would have contacted me before going with that because I've never heard from a donor about who to play or, you know, anything. And so um, just putting that out there because we love Brian. I mean, Brian is a friend of ours. We've known him for years and does a great job with CBS. Uh, that That was a wowzer late last week. But anyway, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian saying, uh, he's not, he's not being told by anyone, you know, who to play. Yeah. And, and I feel like, especially in today's society, if you're going to make those claims, you have to come with receipts. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you've got to show where it's coming from because that's a, that that's a detrimental, um, harm to a lot of different people and not, not even just like take football out of the equation, you know, making those type of claims without being able to put on the table where you're hearing it from. That's something that can ruin people's lives, you know? And so that was, it was, I was surprised when I heard those comments, I uh, would also be surprised if Brian Jones is ever an interviewee on the horn ever again, which is the flagship you know, radio station for the University of Texas Athletics. Uh, they hold the the media rights for the radio broadcast. And so I would be very shocked if Brian Jones is ever on their air- airwaves again after making that claim. But I mean, it just it just was like, you know, kind of adding fuel to the fire a little bit. And I, I love I really like Brian Jones. I've known him for years. Um, I've, you know, when I worked at a previous company, he was a partner with um, one of the companies that we were involved with. I mean, he's a very 
I, a genuine person. I really, really do like Brian. And I don't want to bash on him at all because I do like him. Um, I thought that was kind of poor form a little bit. And then he tried to say he doesn't want to, you know, cause issues in the program. It's like, dude, you just did by saying this. You know what I mean? You can't just say that blanketly, especially in today's society and expect it to go unmentioned or um, have people not, you know, follow it up. And I know that um, Brian Davis from the state, the statesman had reached out to Crystal Conte about it. And Crystal Conte essentially said that was absurd. And he has never in his life heard that. And Steve Sarkeesian echoed those sentiments as well um, on Monday at his press conference. But if that's not just like the perfect cherry on top of what this season has been, I mean, from, you know, the just everything that's gone on, it's just been like one thing after another from the monkey. Yeah, it's a circus. And I'm not even trying to say that like as a joke because of the monkey situation, but it's really been a circus the last uh, probably month right, and a half, half of the season. football. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it was a cherry was, on top. Yeah. Sark was asked about that. Just the, yeah. the big picture nature of this second half of the season with everything you just mentioned, the circus like atmosphere of the, you know, Monkey Gate, uh, Bo Davis player leaked video, all that, and 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 Steve Sarkeesian said, "I'm built for this," mm-hmm. um, and he said, "I'm really good at compartmentalizing things, and and I'm built for this." So, I think Texas fans are absolutely hoping that 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 is the case, and um, Again, it needs there were to be more the point. case, honestly. It needs to be the case, absolutely, yeah. because this place, like I've said, if you don't know who you are and how you go about things every day and never waver from your process, um, and if you don't know who you're surrounding yourself with, if you're, if there's any guesswork involved, this place will expose you because the mm-hmm. glare is that hot. So um, it's not, it's, it's not an easy place. Um, I've always said I wouldn't hire a coach here unless they've built two programs successfully because um, it's it just that your process and who you are, you know, you you have to be absolutely sure of uh, of those things. You cannot come here and learn on the fly or have to adjust because, again, this place will um, the glare is just too hot. Everything um, gets magnified, good or bad. And, right. and and when it's bad, it, it can really, really magnify. Yeah. And Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, he say, say what you will about his overall coaching record. I feel like anybody that uses that argument to ju- justify if he is qualified for this job or not, it's like such a lazy argument because look at what he did at Washington. And that was before his personal issues. So not only did he build that program back up that had what, zero wins in the year right. prior to Born him 12. taking over. Yeah. And he, you know, he set it up perfectly for Chris Peterson to come in and take over the program. I mean, he really did. That's why Washington truly is where it is. I mean, Chris Peterson's a great coach, obviously, and he's done fantastic things there. But Steve Sarkeesian got that building, that rebuild started, you know, before he went to USC. And that was before his personal issues surfaced. And I think that because of what he's gone through, and he's talked about this openly, because of what he's gone through in his personal life, the fact alone that he is a head coach right now and he's gone through the ringer and public humiliation and, you know, public firing and a terrible situation that happened at USC, but he still, you know, managed to go through, um, you know, his rehab and um, I believe Alcoholics Anonymous, everything that he has done to get to this place. It shows that 
he definitely has some type of determination in him. And, um, you know, I, I'm not really sure if he is the type of guy that's ever going to be shell-shocked or anything like that, for instance, at a place like Texas because of what he has gone through for, in his personal life, but also in rebuilding a program that was so much worse off than what he inherited at Texas. So, you know, um, but again, it's going to take time, Chip. You know, it, it's all if if you want to really see if Steve Sarkeesian can be an elite head coach, you've got to give him the time to do it at Texas. That has not been the case for the University of Texas. We'll see what happens. You know, Chris Del Conte, this is his first head football coach hire. He didn't hire Tom Herman. He came in and, you know, he was already in place. So um, we'll see. You know, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about Chris Del Conte, too, of what, how patient he wants to be with the head coaches that he does hire because um, a lot of the changes he's made he was getting rid of coaches that he did not, you know, bring into the to campus, not just for football. Yeah. Well, Steve Sarkeesian did uh, talk about, before we get to love it or leave it, needing a better pass rush. Um, and Texas actually had nine tackles for loss against West Virginia, but just couldn't get pressure on the quarterback when they needed it most on third and 18, third and 15. Um, but Jacoby Jones, the senior who's been out since the OU game with, uh, he had to have a screw put into his foot because of um, uh, a break uh, there is back on the field. He says he's going to play Friday and he says he's going to play his heart out, says, you know, the coaches are going to want to take me off the field and I'm not going to come out of the game because <laughs> I want to play so bad. So um, there's another positive, Taylor. From Thanksgiving this, week uh, on the flagship. Thanksgiving week. <laughs> Jacoby Jones can't wait to get on the field Friday against K-State and uh and play his heart out. And so, and he he's a interesting guy. He came, you know, from the JUCO ranks, was kind of uh discarded, um, you know, but then came in with Juwan Mitchell. They played together in JUCO and Jacoby Jones. He said, listen, where I'm from in Shreveport, Louisiana, not a lot of kids get out of the neighborhood, let alone, you know, go to college. And he said, you know, after my injury, Steve Sarkeesian, coach Sark, he called him, was really on me to stay in my books to make sure that I graduate. And he said, I'm going to graduate in December and I'm so proud. And, and so kudos um, to Jacoby Jones to Steve Sarkeesian for keeping uh, Jacoby Jones on track and not getting frustrated uh, without football to lose sight of his academics. And, and so number three for the Texas defense, will be back on the field uh, for the Longhorns and we'll see if, if he can help set an edge uh, in trying to contain Deuce Vaughn and uh, most likely Will Howard at quarterback for K state. Um, but I, I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Did he, he's already used his COVID year, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Between, because yeah. he said, if I had another year, I'd come back. And, okay. Yeah. And so I think he's out of, uh, he's out of eligibility and, and, um, and so, you know, he'll, he'll be out there. He'll make the most of his opportunity. Of course, senior night. Uh, you've got uh, several other seniors, you know, Derek Kerstetter, Kate Brewer. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who walks, Taylor, because there are some seniors who do have a COVID, a COVID red shirt available. So we'll keep an eye on that. And of course, uh, we'll have that for you 
uh, on our podcast next week. Right. Well, some, I, I mean, we'll see by Friday because this could have been an oversight by media relations or something, but there were three, um, I believe three key people who were not listed in the game notes as going through senior day uh, festivities. And that was DeMarvin Overshawn, Deshaun Jameson, and Anthony Cook. We'll see if they do go through them. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will for sure be coming back next year or not, but it'll definitely be something to watch um, moving forward, no doubt. And um, I mean, honestly, those three, they've been key um, to this Texas defense. I know this defense hasn't been um, outstanding, obviously, this year, but the fact that, you know, Texas could get them back for all, I believe all three of them would be fifth years then because they've all uh, I don't believe that they've redshirted um, yet or anything, but using that COVID year, that could be very, um, you know, substantial for the future of the Texas defense and, you know, making sure that they have some veteran players that are not just playmakers on the field, but also leaders in the locker room on defense. For sure. No doubt. I mean, DeMarvin Overshawn, I've, I've heard, um, is leaning toward coming back because he hasn't had a full year. Uh, of off-season strength and conditioning needs to get bigger, stronger, and and needs more experience at the linebacker position. So we'll see, um, yeah. but that's a good note. Um, all right, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break and hear from our sponsors, but stay tuned because we will have more football talk coming up, including some more talk about the possibility of adding a transfer quarter or transfer portal quarterback, excuse me, for Texas. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Be sure that you are subscribing to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. As we've said time and again, we will be adding a lot more video features to that moving forward. There's a lot of exciting things coming towards uh, Horns 24-7 and 24-7 sports in the video aspect. I can't give much details away, but we'll just use that as a teaser. So you'll want to be subscribed to that. Go to youtube.com forward slash horns 24 seven, hit subscribe, click the bell for notifications. So you'll get um, an email or a notification on your phone. Anytime a new video is released on there. And as always, be sure to listen on your favorite streaming service, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, whatever it may be. Um, to the flagship podcast and our Horns 24-7 family of podcasts with Longhorn Blitz and the state of recruiting. Um, if you're on iTunes, feel free to go and uh, leave us all a five-star rating and a review. And, um, you know, all of our, our shows will be very appreciative of that. So with that said, Chip, are you ready for some Love It or Leave It? Let's go. All righty. My first one for you is Love It or Leave It with Steve Sarkeesian saying he he will likely bring in a transfer quarterback, you expect Texas to lose either Casey Thompson or Hudson Card to the transfer portal. You know, my initial reaction to this would be to love it, but this is where I think Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, you got to recruit the players who you want back from your team um, to, to return next year. And Steve Sarkeesian did talk about today having a quarterback with a year of experience in the offense. Obviously Hudson card and Casey Thompson, both now have a year of experience in this offense and he should be able to convince them both. Mm -hmm to come back and say, look, we're going to fortify the offensive line. We're going to 
we're going to work like crazy this off season so that you all have total comfort level in the quarterback, uh, in the offense, in this system. And no matter who we bring in, you have a leg up on that guy because you have a year of experience and we need you. We need you yeah. both and you like each other and you get along and, and we need your leadership. This to me is where we start to see Steve Sarkeesian, the recruiter. Um, and, and so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave this for now um, because to me, it would be, it would be really, really bad if, if one or both of these guys left because the work has just started really. I mean, if, if that's what we're talking about here, if we're, if we're talking about building and developing, okay, then you've got one year in the system. Mac Jones was in it three years at Alabama and look how he, you know, prospered at the end, stick it out, learn it. You'll be a, you'll be an NFL quarterback by the, you know, you're going to have an NFL type offense under your belt. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, the NFL has to decide if you're an NFL quarterback, but you'll have experience in an NFL type offense. And so I'm going to, I'm going to leave this for now and see if Steve Sarkeesian can keep both of these guys on campus to battle with whoever he brings in. Yeah. And how about you? This, yeah. I mean, I think it, it would be an easy thing to love just because it's so easy right now for players to get into the transfer portal and leave and then, you know, be able to be eligible immediately without having to sit um, if they haven't already transferred prior to that. So it's hard almost not to love it, but you know, at this point, I don't necessarily think there's a reason to love it. So I think I'm going to leave it just because we haven't really seen how Steve Sarkeesian can um, engage with these guys, but we did see him be able to keep Casey Thompson ready to go after he named Hudson Carter, Hudson Card the starter prior to the season, you know, after their battle in fall camp. And he, he, he stuck true to his word. He said all along that they were going to need both of these quarterbacks and they needed both of the quarterbacks, obviously. And so, um, you know, I, I know the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you actually don't have a quarterback. <laughs> However, I think that it, there's, there's risk either way, Chip. If they go into the transfer portal, there's risk that they could lose either Hudson Card or Casey Thompson or both. I mean, God forbid, you know, for the future of Texas uh, position, you don't want that to happen, obviously. However, there's also risk for Hudson Card and Casey Thompson to go into the transfer portal as well. I mean, look at what happened to former Baylor quarterback Charlie Brewer. He enters the transfer portal, goes to Utah, you know, starts and then gets benched. And now he's not playing football. So just because a player thinks that, you know, if they're, they have to add more competition to the position that they're going to automatically go somewhere else and start. No, I mean, neither one of these guys have really solidified themselves as a starter in division one college football yet. And now I'm not saying that can't happen elsewhere. It probably could. However, that's, I, it's a risky thing to say probably when you already have a leg up on whoever would come in from the transfer portal, knowing the system having the relationships with Steve Sarkeesian and with AJ Milwee and Kyle Flood, and then knowing the team already, knowing the personnel there, obviously they need a more offensive lineman. And I think honestly, if Texas does not get more offensive linemen, I would almost see that being more of a way that the quarterbacks may want to go into the portal and go somewhere that might have some protection and pass protection in front of them. 
Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to bash off his flanks. They did play well, I thought, against West Virginia. That was one of the better games, I think, that they've put forward this season. But there's no doubt that they need help at that position. So I would be more surprised, honestly, if if the players were to enter the – or I would not be surprised, I should say, if the players enter the transfer portal if they don't get some <laughs> offensive line help because, you know, at the end of the day, they need guys to protect them. And uh, But, yeah, I think, you know, at this point, I think you got to leave it just because Steve Sarkeesian is able, has already been able to keep both of them engaged. You know, I go back, if, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm probably selling a little bit what, you know, even Tom Herman did in 20, after the 2017 season. I mean, neither Sam Ellinger or Shane Bouchelle was a clear cut starter coming out of the 2017 season. They battled, um, they battled into fall camp too. And then, um, you know, uh, obviously Sam Ellinger took that job and went with it, but still, um, I think that just because there isn't a clear-cut starter right now doesn't mean that somebody can't develop into that. And that's happened at Texas. It happened with Sam Ellinger, you know, developing into the clear-cut starter. And so um, you know, when there's a risk that you may not start somewhere else, you can't come back. You know, <laughs> if you transfer somewhere else, you can't come back and say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake. No, it's, you know, there's there's risks all over. But I think at this point, um, Knowing, as you mentioned, knowing the offense, having the leg up on whoever they would bring in from the portal, I think you got to stick it out. And if you're Hudson Carter, Casey Thompson, so I'm going to leave it um, based off of what I would think you should do. And plus the fact that Steve Sarkeesian has been able to keep both those guys engaged throughout this year, even though, you know, Casey wasn't named the starter, then became the starter, and then Hudson Card still had to play. I mean, they both had been engaged at least. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to leave that one too. Right now, <laughs> this may change. <laughs> Let right. me put that right. out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two, this Thanksgiving right. week. Number two is with the season finale on Friday against Kansas State, this Texas football team has moved on from the 2021 season. Love it or leave it. You know, this has been the weirdest season I've probably ever covered. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. I've covered <laughs> this team since 1992. I've, I covered the roster imposter back in 95 when we had a 30 year old uh, impersonating himself as someone else on this football team. And I mean, and then we find out that he's got a sister named Bonita money and friends from like central casting. You couldn't believe it. This is, I don't been even know weird. what you're talking about, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 1995 <laughs> roster imposter, Ron McKelvey. I was still but, pretty young. <laughs> um, you know, this has been the weirdest because of just how nothing carries over from week to week. You know, one week, the offense is on fire. The defense can't stop anything. The next week, the defense is playing well and the offense can't do anything. And, and so there was effort. There was effort in Morgantown. You know, I mean, some guys had bad games and really hurt their team with some bad plays at inopportune times, but there was effort um, right down to the end. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this. Um, you know, I think the players are going to go out there and, and give it all they've got. And I listen, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I'm saying to this locker room, uh, listen, do it for your seniors, of course, but also show us, that yeah. you want to be part of the solution going forward. Mm -hmm. You younger guys, show us who among you are ready to be part of the solution going forward. 
And I would think we'll get a strong effort. Now, saying that, Casey Thompson's got the thumb injury. Hudson Card's probably not going to be able to go. And if something happens to Casey Thompson and you're talking about Ben Ballard, God bless him, the walk-on coming in as the quarterback for Texas, that could either be the greatest story we've ever seen or an unfortunate nightmare against a really solid K-State team. Not great, just solid. They don't beat themselves. So, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to leave this cuz I do think the team's going to come out and battle. Hell, they battled against Kansas. I mean, they just lost. Right. And yeah. Couldn't stop the run, but it's you know, I'm going to leave this and uh I think we'll see a, a Texas team come out and fight. How about yeah. you, Taylor? I'm going to agree with you too. I'm going to leave it because I think the one thing that we can, obviously the season has not gone the way that anybody expected. Um, and I definitely did not expect this team to not go to a bowl game in year one under Steve Sarkeesian. That's a big surprise to me, but you're right. I mean, this team has battled in games. It's not like they're getting blown out or destroyed. And, and that's the thing that's it's, as you were talking about it being a weird season, it is weird because I, I can't sit here and say that Texas at four and seven is a bad team, but they're four and seven. Like I know your record is what you are, you know, your record shows what you are, but still I can't sit here and say that this is just a bad team because it's not, it's just, it, it's like they haven't been able to get out of their own way at a lot of times. Um, there's been a lot of, as you know, we've talked um, ad nauseum, you know, about the inability to play complimentary football. It's almost like they're allergic to it or something like there's a peanut allergy in the locker room. And before the game starts, everyone opens up a jar of peanut butter or something. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's literally like, it's, it's a head scratcher for me too, but you can't necessarily sit here and be like, Oh, Texas is just bad this year where you you've been able to say that. I think about some of the non-bowl eligible teams in the past at Texas, you, you know, under Charlie Strong, I think you could say that it was just a bad team, you know, that they had. And it, you can't say that now. So, yeah, I think the one thing that this team has continued to show is fight. And I know Steve Sarkeesian has said that time and again. I bet Texas fans are really tired of hearing it, but it shows up in the game. You know, I mean, it's not like they're just mailing it in. I don't feel that way. I did feel they started off a little slow against West Virginia, and I felt like some guys may have been mailing it in, but they battled back in that game, too. So now I'm going to have to agree and say that I'm going to leave it saying that they haven't necessarily moved on. I don't necessarily mean that ends in a win for Texas, especially with the quarterback position, you know, in the situation that it is in right now. And the possibility of having to start a, or play a walk on is never, you know, in conference play, especially is never a good sign. But no, I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, this team has has clawed their way and stayed in the majority of their losses, even you know, aside from, I guess, Iowa State and um, Arkansas. But they, even then, I mean, they still were fighting in those games. They just ended up being bigger blowouts than um, some of the close ones too. So yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to leave that one. All right. Love it or leave it number three. Number three. Dang it, I think we're going to go three for three and agreeing. And you know how I hate that. But <laughs> love it or leave it number three is you are not surprised that B. John Robinson said Monday that he will be back in 2022 to play for the Longhorns. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised because he is he wanted to play against Kansas. Like they popped his elbow back in, and he's walking off the field, turning around, going, "I can play, I, <laughs> I can go back there and play." And they're like, "No, your elbow's dislocated." And he's like, "It's you know, I can play." The guy is 
you know, he's a different kind of guy. He's a team guy. He's all about it. Um, he, there he was on the sideline. I mean, trying to calm down Darian Dunn, who took a swing at a West Virginia player, got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, was all kinds of mad. And there's B. John Robinson over there talking to him saying, dude, you got to calm down and be there for your team. Quit making it about you right now. And, and that's, he's a sophomore, he's soft-spoken, but he's becoming more and more of a leader on this team. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what the guy can do and, and how he can help shape this, whatever change that's coming, because, um, he's a guy who can look everyone in the eye and say, we got to do more. You got to do more. I got to do more. We got to do more. And guys are going to listen. Roshan Johnson, same way. So, um, and you know, next week we'll talk more about the, the young guys who are going to be part of the future. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised. So I'm going to leave this. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. You're going to love see. it. You're going to love it. You're yeah, not I'm going to, I'm not surprised, right? So I'm going to love this. Yeah, sorry. I'm not surprised that uh, Bijan said Monday he'll be back and playing football in 2022. Um, and I'm excited to see how, and he's said he's more and more involved in the recruiting process as well. So that's huge. He needs mm -hmm. to be. He needs to be one of the guys that the, the high school recruits are coming on campus and talking to um, because he's, he's a special dude. Taylor, yeah. how about you? I 100% agree. I'm um, I'm going to love it. I'm not surprised in the slightest that he is going to come back in 2022 for you know all the reasons I said earlier in the show. I mean, when this was even a topic mentioned where Texas fans were questioning if he was going to come back, I'm thinking like, are they, are they thinking of the same player that I'm thinking about? Because this is just not who Bijan Robinson is. And and as well, it's interesting too that he's represented by David Mulligetta, who's one of the top agents in all of sports with yeah. athletes first. And I think people wonder, is the business side gonna get to to Bijan? And and like Jamar Chase of LSU, who sat out um, you know, his final year of uh, you know, waiting until he became eligible for the NFL draft and then went high in the draft and has produced really well for the Bengals. I think people worry about the business side coming in, but not with this guy. No. And, and the other thing too is Bijan's making money on his own right now. I mean, he may not be making NFL contract money, but over I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah. You think he's, he's made over a million oh, yeah. dollars? Yeah. Yep. So, because oh, I was going to say, I bet you he's made more than our staff combined <laughs> this oh, yeah. year. So, oh, he's, way, he's made way more than our staff combined. Yeah. And exactly. And so that's where it's like, it's a little bit different too with, with uh, student athletes being able to make money on their, you know, on their name, image, and likeness. That also plays a role in this. But even if that was off the table, I still do not see B. John Robinson being a guy that would sit out a season. Um, unless he was injured, as you mentioned, the Kansas game, he wanted to go back in. I mean, there was a reason I think why he had his, you know, the towel over his head when they were walking him off the field, because he probably didn't want to be photographed being visibly upset, but he was visibly upset in that situation. And, and it broke your heart a little bit for him because like, that's the last guy, even if you hate Texas, that's the last guy you want to see go down. You know, I mean, think back to when we had Gabe Eichert on the flagship interview podcast. I mean, he just spoke glowingly about Bijan Robson. This guy hates Texas. So that just goes to show the type of character he is, the type of person he is. I've never in my mind thought 
that Bijan Robinson would sit out just to protect himself for the NFL draft. And then you throw in the fact that he's able to make, you know, money now on his name, image, and likeness. He's gotten some really big, you know, national deals. He had that deal with Canes. I don't even know how much he's made on Cameo. He should be making a ton. I even contemplated getting my nephew a Cameo shout out for his birthday, his 16th birthday from Bijan Robinson. But I didn't know if that was like crossing the line at all or anything because my nephew does like him a lot too. But and I thought that would be a nice 16th birthday present, you know, for him. But still, you know, it's just, I think all things considered with him, um, he, he it, absolutely not surprised that he's going to come back. And Texas obviously needs him. And, and you're right, Chip, when you bring up the fact, you know, his leadership, he's a soft-spoken guy right now as an underclassman. But he's the guy that can hold guys accountable because you never are going to question if Bijan Robinson is doing everything that he possibly can to make sure that. He, he's putting the team in this position to be successful. And there's probably some guys on the roster right now that you that you can't say that about, obviously. And Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson are two of the guys that are, and they are two of the guys that can keep other players accountable. And even Steve Sarkeesian today, when asked about if there's any position group that he feels you know confident in moving forward, the only one he said was running back. And he even mentioned Keelan Robinson being one of those guys that's an accountability guy that does everything right. And Jonathan Brooks, I mean, Texas has a very special running back room and it all starts with B. John Robinson. And um, you know, I think having him come back is huge for Texas in so many different ways. But um, you know, the ability to have that that player leader that Texas is lacking right now that really can step up and tell people to, that they need to hold themselves accountable because he is holding himself accountable. That's going to be huge next year. So there's a lot of, you know, um, positive aspects, as we said before the show, of, you know, uh, coming to Texas football. And it starts with B. John Robinson returning in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, there you go. There's some positives for a, a Thanksgiving week flagship podcast. We'll have uh, a lot more on Texas uh, men's and women's basketball going forward. But uh, thanks everybody for listening in to the flagship podcast. Have a great Thanksgiving week. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Taylor. You too, Chip. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. And we will, uh, uh, we'll be back. Don't forget to uh, tune in to the flagship podcast interview, previewing the K-State game on Friday at 11 on Fox. Um, and thanks for listening again until next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody stay safe and keep the faith.